In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. What if, with the right mindset, anything is possible? Join us now and find out how. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka is here to inspire you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka. Well, hey, everybody, and thank you so much for starting your week out with me. I think we are going to get you off to a really good start, focusing on your business and your mindset and all the things that you need to get together this week to take yourself right up to your dreams. And we have somebody with us today who did exactly that. You know, no matter how large or small your business, you view it as your empire, right? It's a part of you. And and if you're like most entrepreneurs, that means you take it everywhere with you, right? It's in your head, it's in your heart, it's even in your sleep. And I wonder if that simple little fact, holding on so tight the way that you do, keeps your business from growing into a true empire. Are you able to let go just enough to see all of the possibilities, including possibly even stepping out of your role as CEO someday? Well, today we have with us Alexandra Wilkes-Wilson, and she and her friend Alexis Maybank and three other co-founders launched Guilt Group in 2007. And Guilt Group took the fashionista and tech worlds by storm, and over the course of only four years, revolutionized both the fashion and e-commerce industries, attracted five million members, and earned a $1 billion, you heard me right, $1 billion valuation. It's a members-only website, and it brings the rush of shopping at exclusive New York City designer sample sales to the Internet. And today, we have co-founder and now author Alexandra Wilkes-Wilson here to share parts of that journey with us on The Million Dollar Mindset and to talk about how her friend and co-founder Alexis actually did have to step out of that role as CEO at Guilt Group. And we're going to discuss some interesting parts of what it took, how long it took, and why it happened. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mindset, Alexandra. Thank you so much for having me, Marla. It's really fun to, to chat with you today. Uh, well, I've been so excited about having you on the show, and uh, I've been putting out there on social media if anybody has any questions for you, and I got a few of those from our, our listeners, too. So so thanks so much for your willingness to be here and share, and I know it's probably crazy hectic for you, so we'll get on with it. You know, Alexandra, I'd like to ask my, my visitors here on the show about their mindset, because this is 
is about the million dollar mindset, and in your case, the billion dollar mindset, which I like even better. Um, would you describe the mindset that it took? If you can sum it up in just a few words, the mindset that it took for you to to get to the top the way you did in just four years. Well, I can be long-winded, so a few words okay. might be tough for me, <laughs> but um, I think we were focused, we were passionate, maybe even a little bit naive, we were determined, we had fire in our belly, and we really believed in a very clear vision and mission and worked together as a small team to make it happen. Mm, well, that's not long-winded at all. I love that. So the passion really is a driving force behind growing your company. And um, I know that early on, you understood that you had to strengthen your focus on the investor relationships for your company to grow toward your vision. And you know, I speak as a business coach, I speak with a lot of entrepreneurs who who think about trying to bring investors on board, but the thought of, quote-unquote, giving up their company to investors really stops them short in their tracks. Can you address that a little bit for us? Uh, sure. I think I think that is a great question and topic, and a lot of entrepreneurs uh, go back and forth on the pros and cons to taking an outside investment uh, to grow a business. And, and there's no right answer. So I think the answer is really it depends on a number of factors. Uh, in, in the case of Guilt Group, we, we had a few factors that were really important and required us to, to raise money from, from the get-go. We, we never debated not taking in money, uh, to, to put it in those terms. We knew that in order to grow a business quickly, uh, and, and speed was of the utmost importance for our business, we needed outside funding. And we needed funding for a number of reasons. One was we realized quickly that the vision of selling, of creating the sample sale model online, so offering amazing designer brands uh, in, serviced in a beautiful way at a discount was going to require capital. We couldn't take on all this amazing inventory uh, completely on consignment, which initially we thought that might be possible. We realized very quickly when speaking with a number of the designer brands that in order to, to play against the big boys, we, we needed to buy a lot of inventory. Not all of it and not all categories, but we needed at least some money to play. Uh, another was we wanted to hire amazing talent, the best in class in all of the areas that were relevant. So for Guilt Group, that meant hiring great engineers. And we were very lucky because two of our co-founders uh, are engineers, and engineers often travel in packs. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so they were able to find other uh, brilliant coders and developers to, to join forces with them. We also needed money to hire our, our creative talent, creative director, and uh, on my side, I needed buyers to help me uh, go through all the inventory that we were sourcing. I, I was out there pounding the pavement looking to find the best brands, but then uh, we, we needed to kind of go through all the merchandise and price it and organize it and make sure we were picking the best of the best of the customer. And we knew competition was coming. So the, in order to scale quickly, we knew we needed outside funding. So we never really had the debate of, 
do we as a founding team want to retain ownership um, and and not give up uh, not give up some equity to to investment and we we went through the fundraising process very quickly our our series a was was uh, from a amazing boston based venture capital firm called matrix and we we did the route of uh, you know finding smart money we we got an incredible uh, investor, uh, Nick Byme, he joined our board and he has been a fantastic investor and partner along the way. He has guided us. He has helped us to find, uh, new employees. He's helped us, uh, I'm sure we'll get to that later in our chat, but he helped us to come into contact with Susan Line, who, who later became our CEO and he helped us hire, make key hires in a bunch of different areas, including in Japan where we launched a couple of years in. And uh, we, there's no way we could have moved as quickly as we did without outside investment. Mm-hmm. And it sounds, I'm, I'm so thrilled to hear you say that it was a partnership for you and, and that your investor came in and, and really took on a significant role because you hear some nightmare stories out there about in, investors and, and um, that relationship. So how did, I mean, did you like, go through a process of vetting your potential investors? You know, we write about this in our book, By Invitation Only. We we have a chapter actually dedicated to fundraising and the venture capital process. And I will say that Alexis Maybank, uh, who was our CEO for the first, over first year and, and change, and also a very good friend of mine, she was much more involved than I was. And Kevin Ryan, who was our uh, seed investor and our co-founder and today is our CEO, uh, he, he and Alexis really did the majority of mm-hmm. uh, managing the fundraising process. I needed to get inventory. So I did not want to take my eye off the prize, which was uh, really focused on the business. And that sometimes happens with entrepreneurs is that when they go through the fundraising process, it, it can be so intensive in terms of time and, and resources dedicated that the business sometimes stops. Mm-hmm. And we did not want to do that. Our engineers kept developing and coding, and I kept uh, meeting with brands and, and sourcing the, the best inventory for for the business that we were building. So I, um, I did meet with uh, a few of the, let's say, finalists uh, in terms of, of the companies we were looking at. But we write about this, we call it the anticipation curve. You don't want the fundraising process, if you can help it, to, to go on for too long and drag on. So we, we sort of vetted uh, a short list of, of great venture capital companies that we, we um, as, a, as a co-founding group, either had contacts with or um, had, you know, had, had some form of a relationship with. And we initially presented the idea, and then uh, Kevin Ryan and Alexis gave a pretty short window, um, almost almost a time frame, a time limit of saying, you know, this is when we're opening up the official discussions and this is the deadline. And that really helped. And we, we were also helped by uh, some timing on the other side of the world. There was a business called Vente Privé, which was based in France, that uh, had a similar business model and had been around for many years, and they sold 20% stake to summit at a billion-dollar valuation. So the U.S. venture capitalists uh, paid attention to that deal and and, uh, I think were very motivated and excited to see Mm -hmm. that Gilt Group definitely had uh, some similarities, and uh, and that 
that was timing that we had no control over, but it certainly worked in our favor. It sure did. A lot of things worked in your favor, and you worked hard for that. I really am enjoying your book, By Invitation Only, How We Built Guilt and Changed the Way Millions Shop. And uh, that is, I assume, available on Amazon. We're going to go into a break, but I want everybody who is a business owner out there listening to make sure they pick up a copy of this because there is some just incredibly valuable information in here. And um, I love the way it's laid out, Alexandra, with with, uh, a great checklist questions and uh, you guys really did share a lot of the secrets so on the behalf of entrepreneurs everywhere I thank you we're going to go into this break and we'll be back in just a few minutes make sure and check out our interview over on Inc. Inc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen tobacco Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Are you ready to get your woohoo on? From business and branding to babies, best-selling books, and personal breakthroughs? Then it's time to tune in to Woohoo Radio, Love, Life, Business, and the Pursuit of Happiness with your host, Lisa Stedman, Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Using her signature blend of inspiration, motivation, and kick-butt action, best-selling author and chief woohoo woman, Lisa Stedman, wants to help you discover the woohoo that only you can do. Lisa will show you how to create your signature woohoo way of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness without losing yourself. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all approach to career, relationships, and personal growth, get your weekly woohoo on with Lisa and her rock star guests as they reveal their personal stories of bouncing back from boohoo of rock bottom into the woohoo of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Check out her website, lisastedman.com. Join us for Woohoo Radio, love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest, such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans, skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. 
And we're here today speaking with co-founder Alexandra Wilkins-Wilson about how she founded Guilt. And if you haven't found this website yet, if you're one of the few who hasn't found this website yet, please do check it out. It's guilt, G-I-L-T dot com and pick up a copy of their book by invitation only. Alexis Maybank and Alexandra Wilkins-Wilson. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm having such fun. Thank you, really, Alexandra. And, you know, something that kind of hit me during break is that, you know, you built guilt while, you know, you were also, if I recall from the book, um, building a relationship, a marriage, and now you have a little son. Is that correct? He's but a few years old, so you're still pretty busy. Yep, that, that's that's all true, and it, it, both for Alexis and myself, we, we oh. both uh, became... Uh, mothers and and kind of juggling juggling it all, but that that's really part of the fun. Wow, I I can't imagine. And and you know, I have a lot of clients who are moms. Uh, do you have a few tips uh, about maintaining such a hectic career and uh, still managing to be a good mom and and wife and friend and daughter? Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we're still learning ourselves, so we're we're certainly open to uh, any tips from from you and viewers. But uh, for us, I think we we recognize, or I'll speak for myself because uh, that, that's probably better. But um, there is no such thing as balance. I think there are going to be certain days or moments or even weeks where you're you're better at in one area of your life than another. Uh, but I think one of the key differences uh, for for us, and I, I speak to a lot of um, friends and entrepreneurs and mothers and executives who have chosen not to have children, I think if you're going to be a mother and, uh, and balance a, a big career, whatever that career might be, hopefully you'll love what you do. Um, I think that really makes a big difference. It's hard to, to stay juggling if you, if you don't love your job and, and your profession. So, um, you know, if, if you're trying to juggle it all and you don't really love what you're doing professionally, um, it might be time to, to figure out what, what, uh, what is it that you would love. Uh, and I think that could make the, the balancing act a little bit easier. But I think moms make great entrepreneurs. And, and I think, I think uh, one of the reasons for that is that as crazy as it is to be an entrepreneur and as hectic and you never really leave, uh, leave the work behind, I mean, it's always with you, it's always in your mind, uh, you, can, you can take control over your schedule. So if it's important for you to be at a parent-teacher conference or a soccer game or a music class, whatever it might be, you, you block that time, you make it happen, you don't miss a doctor's appointment. Uh, and, and that might mean you sacrifice uh, and have to stay up later at home uh, working and catching up on, on emails and, and conference calls, et cetera. But you, you do have that some, some more control, I think, over your schedule than if you're in a more corporate environment where you really need to be physically in the office from a certain hour to a certain hour. Mm-hmm. So, so then the name guilt group didn't come from from feelings of guilt because you didn't feel like you were being a good mom. <laughs> we named the company before we were mothers, but I can tell you a little bit about that process because uh, it's fun to name a company, and it's really important, I think, to try to get it right. Uh, for us, we we had five different ideas, and Alexis really took charge over the naming process. But uh, guilt, we thought, was fun. 
as a name for for our concept because it was a play on words. Uh, guilt, uh, shopping is a guilty pleasure. One might feel guilty if they shop, and and we we're taking the guilt out of shopping because we were offering we are offering our customers such terrific value. But guilt also is um, has an old world connotation, covered in gold, luxury. Uh, so we liked that um, connotation and, and impression. And there's also the expression "gilding the lily," uh, which is an expression that um, Alexis always heard from her grandmother. Uh, so that was in her mindset. And then my concern with the word guilt was it was monosyllabic, and I couldn't think of any luxury brands that just had one syllable. So I said, well, you know, how, how, how can we elongate the name? How can we make it longer? And Alexa said, well, how about, how about group? Why don't we say guilt group? And I said, uh, you know, I like that. I, I like that. Um, let's throw in an E so it sounds a little French and je ne sais quoi. And, uh, and then also all of a sudden our, our, our itty-bitty guilt group sounded much bigger and more powerful than the five-person startup that it was. So it gave us some confidence. And and we also left open the possibility that if we did expand into other categories, which was our dream, and, and ultimately we certainly have expanded, uh, we thought that uh, having it as guilt group could kind of allow for the different businesses. Mm-hmm. I love I love the name, and it sticks. That's the neat thing about it. It really sticks. It's not a name you forget, and um, I love the E in the end. Good job, girl. Good job. <laughs> so, well, it's really important in naming an online business that the uh, URL be easy to spell, easy to recall, and certainly you want the URL to be available uh, for for right. as as inexpensive, you know, as good a price as possible. These days it's almost impossible to get an existing word to be uh, free, uh, but which is why some, some companies actually make up, uh, make up words and make up names, uh, such as the case of a Google or something. So um, naming a business is important, but you want to make sure it is spellable and uh, easy to remember. Mm-hmm. And you did that. So I have a question from Karen from Facebook. And um, here is what Karen wrote. When you're in a leadership position and you have people publicly chastise what you do for a living and the fact that you, you make money doing it, how do you respond when people talk about what you do in an attacking manner. Did you ever experience anything like that in, in, in your journey with guilt? Well, one thing that has always been important to us at Guilt Group is to have a direct and honest communication with our customers. So when you're in a startup um, or even in a bigger, more established company, things are going to go wrong. You're going to make mistakes. Things are going to break. And and that certainly happened to us uh, over the years. I remember one sale in particular we we did with uh, a very highly coveted uh, women's shoe brand called Christian Louboutin. And we had tens of thousands of women trying to buy the same exact shoe, and we, we had very limited inventory. And uh, it was really, truly a, a, a almost terrible customer experience because it was so hard to purchase anything on the site. Our site really um, kind of had never experienced uh, such heavy volume on the on the checkout process. And we felt terribly as a company, and Susan Line was the CEO at the time, and, and we issued 
uh, a, an instant public apology to our customers mm-hmm. and said, you know, we, we acknowledge that this has been um, a, a really frustrating customer experience. We knew there would be high demand. We just did not know it would be this crazy. We are mm-hmm. so sorry. We're going to make it up to all of the, to, to those of you who, who tried to purchase. Uh, and, and we did that. So we then made our next sale with that brand available only to the people who had tried to, to purchase in the first place. So we kind of limited the audience, and, and that was our way of saying, we know we messed up, we're sorry, uh, and, and I think you can be proactive about mistakes. People are going to criticize. If we had just sort of pretended that nothing had gone wrong, I think the backlash would have been more severe. And, of course, there's going to be people complaining on, on Twitter and Facebook, and that's Facebook, and that's also our – strategy in general with customer service. We do a lot of our customer support through Facebook and Twitter. So if there's a customer out there who has something to say, whether it's positive or, or negative on, on online, um, let's say through Twitter, um, our customer support team usually sees that comment and, um, and, and, and responds to it directly to the customer. They take the conversation offline. And I think that's a pretty innovative approach to uh, communicating to customers, and, and especially when it's a customer uh, maybe complaining or having something negative to say. Yeah, and, and that's such a great point, Alexandra. Thank you. Last week I interviewed uh, Jim Lupkin from Summa Social, and uh, he has a, a Facebook interface that helps companies build their company page online. And uh, he said exactly that, that, uh, you know, invite your customers to to talk with you online. And when somebody has an issue, go ahead and, and address it in your very professional way so that people can actually see how you handle your customer service. And so that your reputation truly grows in that way. And uh, it's good to know that that you folks are out there using social media. It's such a a power tool to to not use. And we have to stress that it needs to be part of any company that wants to stay around um, for the next five years or more. So that's fabulous. So I'd love to talk, we're going to go into break in about two minutes, but I'd like to start this conversation with you. I know that building your team was such a crucial part of your success. And uh, so you you had the, the five co-founders, the five of you were on board. Who? What position was the next position that you were to fill? And, and, and what were some of the mistakes you made, as well as some of the wins that you had in building your team? Well, building a team uh, is is actually really exciting. Uh, you shouldn't view it as a chore. You should view it as a, as an incredible luxury to really have that opportunity to build and create and shape a company culture, which is something that not a lot of people get to do. A lot of people join companies once there's already a culture in place. So it's really uh, exciting to, to be choosing those people, um, to identifying them, and, and then convincing them to believe in your vision. So for us, we took hiring very seriously. Um, we, our, some of our early hires weren't necessarily um, the most senior roles. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in some cases, we, we brought on some 
interns who I'm really excited to say are still with us in in, oh, uh, wow. in much more senior roles. We we did Yay. a book launch event uh, last week, and we invited kind of everyone who had been with us in in our old old office. We've moved a number uh-huh. of times, and and that was just so fun to to see them all. Like remember the good old days when we were oh. just a few of us, and we had that first sale, and we didn't. It was a Zach Posen sale. We didn't know what to expect, um, but I hired two buyers on my side uh, to to help me navigate through the merchandising. Okay. And uh, uh, we, we used Myers Briggs. We're big believers in Myers Briggs, and we write yes. about that in by invitation only, and how it really helped us to understand what we were missing. All right, we're going to go into break and come back on that very topic. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette, at 11, 10 Central on Togginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I. Invest in yourself. P. Persist by taking small steps. And S. Serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette. On toginet.com, ministry is filled with both highs and lows, victories and struggles. It can be the best job of the world, but it can also be the hardest. Where do you find the balance between serving God and the joy of truly knowing Him? Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central. Join us each week as pastor's wife, best-selling author, and host Joanna Weaver interviews women who serve God from the heart, both those who are well-known and those who minister in less visible ways. You'll discover tools for the ministry, but more importantly, you'll learn how to give God access to the deep places in your heart. For ministry is more than what we just do in public. It is who we are in private. Wellspring is here to inspire you to look into your heart of hearts and invest in the place ministry truly begins. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So join us for an hour that just might change your life. It's Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with host Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And we are here with entrepreneur and mom, Alexander Wilkes Wilson. And uh, yeah, I love that you guys use the personality assessment, Myers-Briggs, and that you actually used it first, if I recall, to assess your current team and, and find the gaps and fill in the gaps. Is that right? 
That is right. I think entrepreneurs often tend to hire people similar to themselves. Uh, so these big picture, visionary, catalyst uh, types of personalities. And it's really important uh, when you're launching a business uh, to have people grounded in reality and process. And uh, Myers-Briggs really helped us to assess that, and, and we, we write about it in our book, but we brought on uh, a COO uh, who was a fantastic hire. Her name is Jennifer Carr-Smith, and she, she really helped us to, to fill out many holes, not only in the business in terms of needs that we had and skill sets that she had, but also in terms of looking at uh, personality profiles and balancing balancing out our, our early uh, executive team. Mm-hmm. You sure did have have quite a team to get Ms. Limes on your team. Is certainly a coup. How was she to work with? Oh, it has been an absolute. Uh, pleasure working working with Susan since she she joined us. Susan Line came on board uh, literally the day that Lehman uh, was no longer in uh, in September 2008, and uh, Alexis and I had a uh, pinch me moment where oh, we, we looked at each other and said, you know, I cannot believe that a, an executive and a woman, which was awesome, uh, of, of this caliber uh, is coming to join our, our startup. It was really a, a sign to the two of us that we had built, well, not the two of us, I should say, that to all of us mm-hmm. uh, who were involved and to the team that we had built something great. And, and to give you a quick background on Susan, she had been uh, the, the president of uh, or CEO of Martha Stewart Living Omni Media before coming to Guilt. She'd uh, been president of ABC Entertainment. And the rumor was she was considering taking on a job um, at a major job at Time Inc. or at Harpo, and instead we convinced her to come to us. But we had to manage that transition very carefully, I will say, because um, we were nervous that uh, our existing employee base, and we were um, trying to remember exactly, but probably over over 60 or 70 employees when, when Susan joined us. And to give you context, today we're over 1,000. Uh, but when Susan came, we, we wanted to make sure that all of our early stage employees were as excited about this. Um, as we were, and understood that that didn't mean that they were um, that their roles were going to change, and that they were uh, no longer needed. And, and um, we, we really managed that transition very carefully. We had meetings internally before Susan joined, and then immediately when Susan joined, and uh, she fit into our culture that we had built, which is an open floor plan. Everybody's accessible. Nobody has offices. Uh, it's a very um, we, we we built a communicative and open culture, and we wanted to make sure that our team understood and that Susan understood that uh, she was not only going to kind of play by the rules that we started, but she was going to really embrace them, and, and she certainly has. Yeah, yeah, she's she's quite a woman, and uh, one of my fellow Toginet hosts here, Allie Laprete, had Susan on her show, oh gosh, probably oh, less than a year ago, so if you're listening to the show, uh, go ahead and look at Our Milk Money to find that interview, because uh, Susan truly is an amazing woman with uh, so much wisdom and experience to bring to this world. I, when I saw that she was working with you folks, I thought, oh my gosh, how could you miss, right? It's <laughs> great. Fabulous. So more about building the team and then we'll move on to other topics. Um, 
some some companies you know are are or some entrepreneurs shall I say are often unsure about who to bring on first and you know they they get the support staff in place and 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 then typically move on to the sales team but in your case did you need any kind of a sales team on board Yes, we we did. We didn't necessarily call it the sales team, uh, but okay. I I think uh, you're looking at her. I think I was really the sales <laughs> team in the in the sense that um, I I was really the person who I had I had to sell the idea to many designers, yeah. and we we hired our, our merchandising team. The majority of the people who came to join us came from amazing department stores and brands and had deep merchandising experience. But that didn't necessarily mean that they had sales experience. They were used to brands knocking down their doors, begging to get into uh, the, their their department stores or boutiques, etc. They weren't used to having to necessarily sell um, sell a concept and. Um, so that's something that I really have enjoyed doing. I still do it. I actually, my lunch today was very much a sales-oriented, uh, uh, you know, sales-oriented by design and, and partnering with a, a brand that we still haven't sold on our site. So um, we, we what, whatever your startup is, I think there is, is certainly a selling component, whether it's getting uh, users or community to buy into the idea or getting uh, business development partners or or getting actual inventory, as in our case. Can you share with us a little bit, I'm not sure what you can share on this topic, but how did you actually convince these designer brands to come on board? I mean, that had to be a monumental task. Well, I won't lie, it wasn't easy. I mean, I think uh-huh. if you try and think back to fall of 2007, we launched our business in November, many designer brands weren't selling online at all, and they were certainly not selling online at a discount. So we not only had to introduce many of these brands to the concept of the World Wide Web mm-hmm. um, and e-commerce in general, but we, we had to make them feel comfortable to trust us and to partner with us in uh, in helping to... to uh, we, we realized very early on that we could help brands in a number of different ways. Initially, our strategy was we thought we could be an, a new and exciting liquidation strategy for brands that had excess inventory, and that was initially our business model. But what we... When you're launching a business, you have many aha moments and and certainly many pivots along the way. And we had an aha moment meeting with the CEO of the jewelry brand called Judith Ripka. And he said to me, you know, I don't need you. We're a a very big company. We don't really have any excess inventory. We have a huge QVC business, et cetera. We don't need you, uh, but we like you because we like Mm -hmm. the fact that your customers are just like you. So young women in their – initially our our audience uh, was – focus more on women's because that's all we were selling for the first six months. And our, our, we were reflective of our audience, our membership. So uh, about 25 to 35, highly educated, professional, didn't have a lot of spare time, um, high household income. 
And and they liked that our customer base was younger than their customer base. They said, you know, we, we want girls like you to be wearing our brand and to think that it's a brand for uh, for them and not just a brand for their mothers. So that was really a special moment for us. We realized, wow, there are a lot of established brands that we can uh, partner with as, as a marketing opportunity rather than as a kind of liquidation CFO opportunity. Wow. So, so you went into a situation where there wasn't necessarily, um, from their perspective, a benefit to working with you, but you found that benefit in spite of the fact, which is uh, a skill. <laughs> wow. It's a skill. And we, we write about something in the book, too. And um, I actually met with an entrepreneur early this morning and give, gave her this type of feedback. It's really helpful when you're launching a business to listen to all the people and all the reasons why uh, your business might not be a good idea um, and all the you know all the naysayers we say we say seek out the naysayers because they can help you refine your strategy and your pitch and the word choice that you use in your presentation and it, it, you know my, my point isn't listen to all the naysayers to get yourself depressed and think start believing right. what they say but use it to refine your strategy and I think um, it, it can really make you a more effective entrepreneur Mm-hmm. Most definitely. There's also a section in your book. Well, I enjoyed every section, but it, it, this one was a fun one on, on um, you know, the viral phenomenon. Does your business have the potential to be viral? So what are, what are some of the questions that an entrepreneur would ask themselves to kind of go through that checklist? Well, the good news is today in 2012, there are so many more opportunities for a business to go viral because the world of social media has just um, really skyrocketed uh, and and there are just many more channels. So that's good news. But I think questions that you should ask yourself are, is this business or industry uh, the type of company or topic that people people want to talk about? So, So categories that fit this description in my mind would be uh, sports, maybe cars, uh, cool gadgets, uh, think of, you know, Apple products, um, and certainly in our case, fashion. Fashion is something people who, who love it really love to talk about. There's certain industries that just don't lend themselves as much to uh, let me spread the word uh, publicly uh, about about this uh, kind of great new business. So think about that. Is this the type of uh, business model or, or um, product that people are going to want to talk about and share with their friends? And that, it, it doesn't mean that if it isn't, that it won't work. That, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that if it is something people want to share with their friends, then it has the chance of going viral much faster. Yeah, and fashion and women. <laughs> we all know that women are the driving force behind our global economy. So you guys picked it well in the beginning there. So we're here today having a fun conversation with Alexandra Wilkes-Wilson. And uh, I'd love for you to go over to Inc.com and check out the interview that I did with Alexandra and her fellow co-founder, Alexis Maybank, and uh, get some more facts over there. And we'll see you back here in a few seconds. So check out Inc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen tobacco.
Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. Booyah! That's the word uttered when you know you have the upper hand. Or you're the winner. Well, now we have the Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Brassi. Tuesdays at 9, 8 Central on Toginet.com. Martin's show is all about helping speakers and authors find their niche create their brand, and achieve massive success. Each week, Martin will interview guests from around the world who have achieved tremendous success as speakers and authors. You'll find out who they are, what they do, and how you can follow in their footsteps to achieve incredible results. Guests will come from around the world of business, entertainment, finance, the arts, and sciences. Nothing is off topic. No subject too taboo. We'll share valuable information as well as huge laughs as we discover the ups and downs of being a successful speaker and author. The Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Pressy. Tuesdays at 9, 8 Central on Togedat.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Togenet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And thanks, everyone, for being with us this week. We're here with Guilt Group founder, Alexandra Wilkes-Wilson. Alexandra, so you co-authored this book with your, your good friend and co-founder, Alexis Maybank. Tell us a little bit about that co-authoring experience. <laughs> well, Alexis and I actually laugh because it takes a long time to write a book, uh, and we can we can crank out businesses much faster than than we than we uh, worked from wow. start to finish in, in writing by invitation only. So it actually took us two years, and um, I think part of the reason that um, it took us that long was we both have full time jobs, obviously, and uh, and and it's um, it's hard to to both find that creative. Um, the creativity at the same moment. So we had a pretty strict schedule that we tried to follow. We met very early every Thursday morning uh, on a regular basis. And then Sunday nights were uh, a big moment for us to also write and think. And um, and we had someone helping us to organize uh, our thoughts. Uh, but we actually both uh, love to write. Um, we just don't get a chance to do it a lot. Uh, so uh, it was uh, it was a fun process. And we really 
wrote by invitation only to inspire uh, existing entrepreneurs, potential entrepreneurs, and to encourage entrepreneurial thinking and innovation within larger corporations. Well, you did a nice job, and and I enjoy it. It's I'm, I'm still reading it, quite frankly, because I just got it uh, last week. But um, I enjoy it because it tells stories, and uh, it seems like just a really honest viewpoint of, of everything that went on. Not everything, obviously, but the critical points of went on went on for you. But it also breaks down for the reader some logical step by step thought processes that will help to get them to that big picture, you know, creating the big picture goal as well as uh, getting there. And so I really am enjoying the book and I recommend to any entrepreneurs listening or want to be entrepreneurs listening that you pick up a copy of By Invitation Only. And, uh, you know, it does. It, it, it teaches a lot. And it talks a little bit about some of the, the, the fun times that you guys had. You, you certainly have had some experiences where we're down to a lot about the last eight minutes of our show here, and I think it'd be really fun to start wrapping up with uh, a, a few of the, the more uh, lively experiences that you've had. Sure. Well, we we definitely cover a lot of business suggestions and, and checklists on topics like how to raise money and how to market an idea and how to pick the right business partner. But some fun stories we share uh, include meeting Madonna, uh, which was at uh, of the Valentino movie, The Last Emperor, screening. And we launched our business in Japan, which was very exciting. We oh. went through this pretty hilarious press conference to to get our business going in Japan. And we've met so many hundreds of designers along the way, from uh, Mr. Valentino to, uh, of course, Zach Posen, our first brand, and and really hundreds of of the most amazing fashion designers of of today. You did. You and you told me that uh, Madonna actually crashed the party. <laughs> yes, that that was uh, that was that was another pinch me moment for for the two of us. Our our amazing events team had worked so hard to make sure that the seating that we had done after the the Valentino movie was perfect. So we had Mr. Valentino and we had Gwyneth Paltrow and Anne Hathaway and Claire Danes and a a number of uh, very well-known society figures in in New York City. Everyone was placed uh, perfectly at their their table so that it really made sense. And then all of a sudden, uh, Madonna herself just walked in into the the Oak Room uh, at the plaza unannounced. And um, Amanda, our uh, PR manager at the time, has a great English accent, which I won't try to imitate, but she, she really, she nearly died. I mean, she just did not know what to do. She said, you know, oh my God, what am I, what am I supposed to do? There's no room for her. But they, they managed to put uh, Madonna and Gwyneth uh, next to one another, very cozy. And, um, and it was, it was fantastic. It was really fun. And, um, you know, that that's just one of the many anecdotes, but uh, probably uh, one of the more glamorous ones. Oh, certainly a glamorous anecdote. So, so tell us a little bit about your involvement now. You say you're still still having meetings to bring other designers on board. You know, the company has shifted a lot in the last four years. What is the role that you play now? Uh, sure. Well, 
I think it's important in a startup, no matter if you're a founder or an early employee, to, to just keep in mind that flexibility is so key. And uh, that means rolling up your sleeves and getting involved wherever you can really help the company best. And if I look at Alexis's role, she really has worn a lot of different hats. Uh, she's been CEO. She's been president. She's headed a number of different business units like Guilt Home. Uh, for example, she was most recently chief marketing officer before she had her second baby a couple weeks back. Uh, And then from my perspective, I've always been involved in uh, getting brands on board to work with Gilt, so uh, in merchandising, and and I I help a lot of the different business units in, in doing this. So today I mentioned my I had a lunch with uh, with a you know very prestigious uh, brand that we were trying to uh, partner get to partner with us for our women's business. Uh, when I'm done with this show, uh, my next uh, appointment is to to get on board a, a pretty spectacular uh, international brand for our Guilt City business to do a national deal. So, you know, I, I really fluctuate between uh, the different uh, different business units from women's to men's to home to Guilt City, et cetera. And, um, you know, I really uh, I care so much about this company, and I think as a founder um, that's something that uh, that probably rings true for anyone out there who's a founder. And I just want to, to help the business uh, to the best of my abilities, um, you know, whenever I can. Mm-hmm. And and it's so thrilling for me to hear you say that because, you know, so many entrepreneurs, the, the business is the baby and it will always be your baby. There's no denying that. But giving up that control is, is difficult. And, you know, the simple skill of learning to delegate and let go is difficult. But I know Alexis stepped out of that role of, of CEO and she's moved around in her roles. You have moved around in your roles. And and so I think that this just makes you a great, no pun intended, role model to other entrepreneurs that you you can give up some element of control. In fact, it sounds like you almost have to, to really, really grow your business. Was that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely uh, right. I think it's important to be flexible and to really be honest with yourself and know where can you add the most value, how can you add the most value, and, and to stay flexible and, uh, you know, to, to really um, get involved in the areas of the business that make the most sense, whether that be culture, whether that be hiring, whether that be um, being part of the sales force, which is really uh, what I love to do. I, I know that uh, I am happiest and most effective when I'm externally facing, so when I'm externally facing with brand partners and with customers. Mm-hmm. And that's another piece of it, I'm sure, is where are you happy? What do you love doing? And, you know, maintaining that passion moving forward, in, no matter what your role you're in. So, well, this has been so much fun and so enlightening. And um, I'm curious if you have anything that we didn't touch on that in these last couple of minutes you'd like to leave our listeners with. Sure. Well, I will just uh, say say once again that, 
uh, my co-founder Alexis Maybank and I wrote the book by invitation only to really uh, inspire entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial thinking. We believe that now is an amazing time to to start a new business and pursue an idea that you may be passionate about. Despite what you may think and, and what you read about in the economy, there is venture capital funding out there. And at the end of the day, it's not just about an idea. Uh, anyone can have an idea for an, for a business. It's really about the execution and working through relationships, whether it's with your business partners, uh, with brand partners, with people you're going to hire. Relationships are what going to make are what, what are going to make all the difference. So invest time in building relationships. Yeah, and you do. You demonstrate that so well in Guilt Group and in your book, By Invitation Only. And uh, it's it's wonderful to hear about uh, how you and Alexis both speak of one another still so highly <laughs> after all these years of working shoulder to shoulder uh, at, at Guilt. So, well, have fun in your next meeting. I'm honored to have been squeezed between two such important meetings. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's such a pleasure to speak with you once again, and, uh, and thank you for all your support. Absolutely, Alexandra. You take care now, and thanks for being with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And so please make sure to check out uh, uh, the interview that I did with Alexis and Alexandra last week, and, and you'll see that up on Inc. this week. We had such a fun time chatting, and uh, they really are both so down-to-earth and grounded and um, still so close. And it really amazes me because I'm sure that they have been through some really stressful times, and you'll get to read about some of those very stressful times in their book by invitation only. And and uh, see how they got through it. And I think that's another important thing. Even if you don't have a business partner, it's an important thing to be aware of because you have relationships of all types going on around you in business, uh, relationships with vendors, relationships with your clients and and uh, with your spouse and you know your friends and everybody that you feel like you're letting down when you're working 15 hours a day. So it's a good read. And I hope to see you here again next week same time same place and we'll have another fabulous guest on the show next week so meanwhile please do check out ink over at ink.com slash author slash marla hyphen tabaka and i have a gift for you over at my website marla tabaka.com download my free gift on productivity and how you can actually get back 40 percent of your time yep 40 percent All right. That's a lot of time that entrepreneurs would vie to gain back in. And I promise you that after you go through my productivity process, which is a MP3 and a workbook process, that you will find yourself with much more time to build your business. This is Marla Tabaka. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And you have a fabulous week ahead. Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka on Toginet. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get there, and